Dudes Talk Sports, hosted by Will Thomas and Chad Tujan. All right, everybody, thank you again for joining us for another episode of Dudes Talk Sports. I am your host, Will, along with host Chad. Chad, say hello to the people. Hello, people. Chad, this is the second episode in a row. I don't know if you know that, but we've come together like uh, like Voltron with the Power Rangers. <laughs> um, if, if you had to choose uh, what part of the body you were when Voltron was being put together with like the pterodactyl and all that stuff, what part of the body do you think you would be? Is this like a Power Rangers reference? Because of, of course, of course, be Billy the Blue Ranger. You'd be. Uh, what, what was he? Was he? I think he's a Triceratops. I know. I know. I'm saying like what? Like part of the body on Voltron though was possibly like, the what? head because he was the smartest one of the group. Oh, okay. Possibly. So you think you're the head? Of course. No, of course I just like I just like the color blue, man. You're like the left leg, like the dominant. <laughs> I'd be like the right leg. pinky, honestly. That's <laughs> 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 better than me. That's better than me. But anyways, today we're going to be talking about. Uh, a few things that happened over the weekend. Some of the fights, Tito Ortiz versus Chuck Liddell. We have Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. All that fallout, um, just kind of glossing over it, as well as some big NFL headlines. Kareem Hunt, yeah, pretty much say no more about that. Mike McCarthy getting fired, and then Week 13 results, uh, surprises, playoff shifts, and all of that. So let's go in and get into it. Uh, on the Golden Boy first MMA promotion, we had Tito Ortiz versus Chuck Liddell. Tito Ortiz KOing Chuck Liddell in the first round shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Uh, not to, I'm going to go over in a future episode this week uh, more of the innards of that actual fight as well as the Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fight. But uh, Chad, just you know, just Liddell, he got KO'd. He's been out of fighting for ten years, and it was a, a pretty much a, a, a money grab that Golden Boy put together. Golden Boy, usually a boxing promotion, headlined by Oscar De La Hoya, put together his first MMA promotion, and much like. MMA promotions when they come out to try and rival the UFC they get two either has-beens or just big notable names that are that have been fighting forever and they put on a big marquee card to try and really get grab some attention and grab some dollars they obviously did this with Tito Ortiz Liddell capitalizing on both their names obviously both of their uh, the rival the rivalries with one another um, as well as Liddell's just humongous comeback name uh, Liddell been knocked out I think four times in his last five UFC fights uh, this is no difference. He gets marred by Tito Ortiz, a guy that he KO'd twice. Um, my, I just want to ask you, Liddell's been in the game for too long. He can't take a shot. He used to be able to hit him in the face with a baseball bat, and he would just laugh at you, and now he just can't. What Do you, do you have any opinions on guys who stay, not just in the fight game too long, um, but just, you know, in general sports, football, contact sports, you know, when is when? You know, when do you think that they should just kind of let it go? Well, I mean, I think at 48 years old, uh, Chuck Liddell probably should have let it go a long time ago. But I think yeah. he was maybe reading Tom Brady's book and eating well and thought he could do it, make it happen. <laughs> avocado ice cream? Avocado, uh, avocado ice cream. Honestly, I, I didn't – I guess you could say I was, like, excited to watch this fight. You know, it's two of the greats ever to come out of the UFC. And they kind of, like, built all the – everything – all the money that everyone's making now is built off Chuck Liddell, T. Ortiz, yeah. um, you know, Forrest Griffin, people like that that used to just really, like – throw down knock it out and just like really make it like a blood a blood sport right yeah and this specific event which even had uh, tom lawler and that new guy darren win uh i thought it was going to be or deron win i thought it was going to be a little bit more interesting than it was i think they were expecting like, maybe 10 times more pay-per-view buys than they actually had yeah. um but to have it in the okay. same breath with the wilder fury fight and just think it's going to compete and then also not be ufc it's just like I don't know, man. When you, you get these people that get these um, these main events for off-brand labels, it's like going to Reebok and trying to buy uh, a pair of, of old sh- Nike shoes for re- yeah. and just relabeling it Reebok. It's like you're going to get a poor quality fight 
with um, an off-brand network, and it's going to mm. be just a shitty fight. And that's kind of exactly what happened. Oh so, no, that's I, that's identically what happened. It was just one of those things that you could tell it was a cash grab. Uh, they they capitalized and they tried, you know, they tried bringing it in as a, a walk down memories lane. And even uh, even the announcers during the actual fight, when the fight opened up, you know, the main announcer was saying, "Dude, does this this does like this feel like a dream sequence to anybody else?" It's like we're back with Chuck Liddell circling the octagon and, and his classic right hand near the jaw, left hand swooping out in front style, going against his hated rival Tito Ortiz, and it just what meant to be a walk down memory lane just ended up being just a, a kind of sad fight to watch. It was uh, sad, so, and not only that, because Chuck Liddell, you know, only got. A court like two hundred fifty thousand dollars to get knocked out, like yeah. I mean, I guess for me, I guess I would, I would probably take that if someone was gonna punch me in the face. Oh, yeah, I would take that happily. But I mean, Tito Ortiz won and he got two hundred thousand dollars with no bonus and no PPV money. So it's like, uh, is it worth my reputation for this two hundred thousand dollars for those guys? Probably not. For us, probably, but for them, I don't think so. No, I agree, and it was just it was it was just kind of a sad thing to watch. It was just Liddell capitalizing off his name. They they the whole entire time they're bringing it, they're showing promotional packages. Liddell saying, "I know what I'm fighting for. I've been fighting for ten years. I feel great. Uh, I'm fighting for my family. All this stuff it was a feel good story." And they're going to bring back the old Iceman, and then all of a sudden, you know, he gets KO'd by somebody who's not necessarily a KO puncher in Tito Ortiz. Uh, and it was just one of those things that it it was it it, it was what it was. Uh, so kind of moving on to the boxing fight, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury for the championship heavyweight championships. Um, it ends in a draw, and it was a huge huge mar on boxing. I was talking with one of my well, friends. Another, another huge mar on boxing. How many mars can boxing have before Dude, we can't even uh, see boxing? Well, that's what I was I was talking with my friends, and uh, Deontay Wilder had three big rounds, three big knockdowns, including the last round where Deontay Wilder. Went full Deontay Wilder and, and, and almost KO'd Tyson Fury. Uh, hit him with well, a big I don't ring. know if he almost KO'd him. I don't well, know. No, no. Yeah, the, 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 it was dramatic. I don't know what really – We don't. no one really knows what no, happened. No, 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 nobody knows, and it's subjective. But from the camera angles and all that stuff, the first two knockdowns were just legitimate knockdowns. The third one was a right hook, a left hook on the follow-up as uh, Tyson Fury was going down, which really wobbled him. And then as he's hitting the ground, his head bounces off the thing. So he was there. I like. I know how he got up because when you're looking at the actual camera angles, it, it, that was a, that wasn't a flash knockdown. That wasn't. That was a legitimate. You know, almost put you out type moment. And credit to Tyson Fury's conditioning because you could tell as soon as he hit down, he was laying and looking up at the lights, and and he was trying to collect himself. You could see him legitimately trying to collect himself. He's talking to himself. He wasn't glad, like he was glassy eyed, but he wasn't just searching for you know what's what's going on. Collects himself, gets back up, and he finishes the round in a dominant fashion. Dude, now that dominant. Base- so that's the same thing happened. That, so the last round and the sixth round, yeah. I thought he almost was going to win those rounds if he was getting knocked down. Like in yeah. that last one, almost cool. Exactly. He looked like the Undertaker or Kane or whatever. Yeah. From <laughs> no, he, he was the Undertaker. WWE. He's like rah, boom, 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 yeah. and then he so, again almost. Well, I thought he won that sixth round or well, almost I, won it. Well, I think that Deontay had two, uh, or sorry, he had three about 10-8 rounds in my opinion. The rest, I think, were, it was Fury in a runoff, man. Fury, I knew coming in, this, so like one thing that makes Fury so special is the fact that he, for his size, one, he was one of the only tallest, like taller guys that Tyson, or Tyson Fury, sorry, Deontay Wilder has ever fought. Uh, but Tyson Fury, for being such a big guy, is so nimble on his feet, and his just footwork, his ability to be crisp, technical, he was definitely going to out outweigh Deontay Wilder in all those facets. I think Deontay Wilder's biggest advantage in coming in, because Deontay Wilder is very athletic, his, his biggest advantage is coming in was the fact that he weighed in at 212 pounds, which is the lightest he's ever weighed for a heavyweight fight. And I thought that that would help 
make up for a lot of lack of technique and, and footwork and all of that. But Tyson Fury just had his number. He was pumping that jab. He was crossing over with his left, crossing over with his right. Whenever he switched, he was unorthodox. He would switch from regular to unorthodox. And he just had... A, or orthodox and southpaw he just had a lot more technique going into all the rounds and he really put on a boxing clinic aside from those three rounds and two of those rounds he still finished after he got knocked down came back and put the fight to wilder including that last one um in the 12th round where he almost got put away got back up put it back on wilder recovered almost within a matter of 10 seconds and almost and wobbled wilder at one point with i think it was a right hook and so ends in a draw and i remember saying before the actual results came in to my friend saying this man it, i swear if this ends up being what I think it is, because the announcers kept highlighting the fact that if Wilder loses, there is a rematch clause in the the contract, no matter what. So I'm I'm thinking, all right. So typical boxing, what's either going to happen is Wilder's going to win, or there's going to be a draw, since it's pretty much in a lot of eyes of, of the viewers, Fury just ran away with this. It's going to end in a draw, and they're going to capitalize on yet another money fight, and then finally they're going to build up to an Anthony Joshua versus the winner of that fight, which oh, is pretty yeah. much Anthony Joshua. I can't wait. To, I, Anthony Joshua Fury would be epic. I think oh, it, personally, like, I don't think Wilder Wilder Anthony Joshua would be. Really crazy at all. I think no. Fury Joshua fight would be absolutely insane. I think it would be, you know, right up there with uh, Floyd Mayweather, Pacquiao, or Mayweather McGregor. Like it, it would oh, be, oh definitely, yeah, money wise. But I, honestly, I don't want to see these two fight again. I think Fury no. is like a extreme athlete. I mean, I think that guy at one point in his life weighed like four hundred pounds. He's yeah. thirty years old. Yeah. He is probably like you said, technically one of the most savviest boxers. That's especially in the heavyweight now, but. Um, I, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was a good fight by Wilder that much. I, no. I didn't think it was very interesting. He is just a wild, wild puncher. He rushed a lot of his punches, and he yeah. didn't land a lot of things evenly. I just thought that, like you said, Fury was a great technician, but also yeah. a strong, strong boxer. I mean, he just... <laughs> no, I, I agree. Know. I think Wilder versus Joshua, I mean, they're... they're there's they've been trying to put that fight together for years. Obviously, there's been rumors with Joshua ducking it and all that stuff. But it's it's it would be the same story. You have Deontay Wilder, a complete brawler who relies on a humongous right hand um, and his athleticism, versus Anthony Joshua, who is still a power puncher, uh, but more a lot more of a technician. I think Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua is the fight I want to see as a like in regards of boxer versus boxer. Tyson Fury, like you said, he was once 400 pounds, and that was after um, obviously falling into depression, getting stripped of his titles, and all that stuff. But Tyson Fury was the guy who upset and beat handedly Klitschko to win those titles. Oh yeah, and, 2015. And so, yeah, yeah. Right. So 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 Fury is a monster, and I, I would love to see Fury versus Joshua eventually. Uh, but I just think that they're going to try and capitalize off this and do the same thing that they pretty much did uh, with, uh, what was his name, with Triple G versus uh, Canelo. And oh, it, it's yeah, the same yeah. thing happened. The first fight was a draw. Second fight, they actually had Alvarez won, which I didn't think he won. But it, it was just one of those things that that's what they did. Uh, but that's boxing in a nutshell. So Deontay Wilder draws Tyson Fury. I know we kind of went in a lot more detail than I said we would. I'm still going to go into this on a future episode of a lot more of a, a technical precision and gloss, not just glossing over the results. But that was uh, the fights that actually happened over the weekend. Let's get into some uh, well, parlaying one fight to another fight. No, stop. Ted, I'll don't, let you take don't this do one. it. Don't do it. <laughs> Kareem Hunt gets oh, cut <laughs> by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, for a, a, a video that, that services courtesy of TMZ, the ultimate reporter, um, of Kareem Hunt pushing, <sighs> shoving a woman, and kicking her. Can we find um, out how much they paid for that video? How yeah. much did well, TMZ I, pay for Kareem Hunt video? I'm going to say $5. $5? $5. $5 hard. 
I'll, I'll go Price is Right, $1. Price is Right, $1. <laughs> right, $1. Uh, I'll just kind of let you kind of take this and let me know what you think of the exact so situation. don't get me in trouble here. I watched the video. I, I don't know what happened in the organization. They say that he lied, and he said that they were right to cut him. So maybe he said there was like a small education, nothing really happened, I didn't hit her or whatever. So then that would be a lie. However, mm-hmm. I'm watching this fight, and I can't like clearly see that he struck this woman. I do sure. see like a lot of like anger in him and he's like attacking multiple people. He pushes another man into this woman as well. Uh-huh. So I would let the league handle this if it was my organization and let the you know internal investigation take its place and just see, let the law play out. However, if he lied to me and I, I cut him, I mean, this is a guy that's going to, could have broke the bank in two years. You know, mm-hmm. he led the league in rushing last year. He's having a phenomenal year this year. He's in an offense that's pretty much playing video games. It's like the greatest show on turf, honestly. Yeah. But again, we don't, nobody is going to side with domestic violence or even striking a woman. I think all those things are negative. Um, just from what I saw, though, uh, it's nowhere near as, uh, as terrible as the awful things that Ray Rice did. And um, not as scary as the things that was it Randy Gregory did. Yeah. Um, just it just looks like there was some drunk argument. I don't know if he. I, I didn't really see if he hit her, hit her, but I guess it doesn't really matter. The intent's still no. there. So you yeah. have to let the. I think at this point you let the internal investigation take its place and just kind of go from there and punish him according to how he deserves to be punished. Cutting him, that's a business decision. Um, you have to like obviously protect your organization and stand up for the things that you believe in. So. Um, from there, like I said, if they lied to him and they, they have more evidence than we do, obviously, and uh, if, you know if he caused any harm to that woman, then it's probably a good move to cut him. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, like you said, it best the intent. It's it's not necessarily the results. It's like whether he hit or not. I think that it is the intent is bad, man. The result is is tremendously worse, but the intent is is worth that type of reprimand, in my opinion. Um, I think with Kareem Hunt. I mean, say what you want about the future that he had in front of him, whether dollars, whether stardom, all that stuff. The two things that kind of bring into question for me uh, are, did Casey really conduct this investigation where they said, oh, well, their excuse was he uh, he didn't tell us the truth, um, he lied to us, and that is unacceptable, the result of, of everything that, was can- that came out, uh, so we cut him. Was this truly a a really in-depth investigation, or was it more of like, "Hey, we heard a a report that you know, lady"? (laughs) I think it's kind of what it was. Like, I think it's kind of what it is. Well, I think that's bogus. So, if if that's legitimately what it is, like, "Hey, man, did did we hear a report? Did you hit a lady?" And just be be honest, like, wink, and they go. Uh, no. He goes, oh, cool, good enough for me. Uh, we'll just wait for the investigation well, we to don't, clear we don't out. Know the, we don't know the details of it, too. We no, don't know no, if, the, if no, Kansas we, City had access to those videos. I mean, whoever whoever no. sold those videos to TMZ did not have anything with dollar signs in their mind. They're like, no. oh, I could sell this for... They were gonna, They waited... Like, think about this. They waited until the end of the season. Yes. So Kareem Hunt was like... I bet you they took that video and was like, oh, look at, at their fantasy draft. They're like, oh, I'm laughing at these idiots. As soon as they, we get to the playoffs, we're releasing this video <laughs> and everybody's going to lose. Well, it's like I wanted to parlay like Casey's investigation, whether it was a true investigation or whether it was literally just them asking him, hey, did you do it? No? Cool. 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 So let's I walk that, this I way. I think that's what it was. It sounds like that's well, what it was. Well, it's like I want to parlay that into what, you know, after they asked him... 
did they do their due diligence? Why is TMZ all of a sudden releasing this? And why didn't they further up? I know, you know, the police had custody of this video for a while when they were conducting their investigations. But, you know, how, how thorough was the analysis and, and coverage and trying to maintain, okay, did Cream Hunt told us that he didn't do this? Let's follow through and find some results to fortify that as now as opposed to later. And so that's where a bunch of the question marks come up in terms of did they really do their due diligence or really did they just ask him and hope that he told the truth? You know, I think they um, went for that latter. Portion yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so that that was Cream's hunt weekend in a nutshell. Now an unemployed free agent. Uh, I do believe I'm not sure if he's cleared waivers yet or if he, he has. did. He did clear waivers. He's he cleared a free waivers, agent, and uh, it looks like he is starting an expansion team with Mike McCarthy. Actually, <laughs> Mike <right>. McCarthy, and, <laughs> Mike and then McCarthy. they're gonna and then they're gonna promote Bruce Allen as GM. Yeah. Good lord. Uh, the Redskins had a fun little falling out with uh, with signing a certain inside linebacker that you know. Um, oh come on! So this is the thing: is I think if they draft, if not if they draft, if the uh, if Cream Hunt signs with the Redskins, him and Adrian Peterson would be the best one-two punch in the NFL. <laughs> oh hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> too soon. Uh, too well, soon. no, it, you know, Peterson doesn't punch; he just switches. So oh, it would be yeah. it would be a fun a fun backfield nonetheless, I guess. Uh, but moving on uh, in terms speaking of speaking of Adrian Peterson, he tied was it uh, Jim Brown last night for fifth yeah. most t- rushing touchdowns and uh, with one hundred six. Dude, he ripped off a hundred or ninety yards. Touchdown. Yeah, a 90-year-old running back ripped and, off a 90-yard uh, touchdown. And Gruden <laughs> proceeded to rush four more times for the rest of the game. <laughs> so yeah, the three point yeah that, that was kind of ad nauseum. And he kind of just pronounced it. He was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to put the hands and uh, – or put the ball in the hands of the Sanchez to try and win this game now. For I think us. Uh, like, Jay, or Jay Gruden saw that the Packers' job opening was available. And wanted to flip his <laughs> he contract. Wanted, he wanted yeah. to replicate. He's like, yeah, I know. I know what the formula to win this or win the job <laughs> rather, not win the game. Uh, but speaking of Packers head coaching, Mike McCarthy fired after the Arizona Cardinals stunned the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau in December during snow. Um, First thing, I mean, being a diehard Packers fan, I, w- I want to kind of play devil's ad- advocate before I give my ultimate opinion. Chad, do you think this was an overreaction, an underreaction, or just right on par? So I think it was not characteristic of Green Bay culture, right? You don't nope. just fire your head coach midseason. That's disgusting to do, Correct. especially to Mike McCarthy, who brought your brought title town a title. You know, maybe he should have brought more. Maybe mm-hmm. we're wasting the um, we're wasting the. The good years of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's not exactly a, a you know quarterback behind him that's going to take the reins like a Jimmy Garoppolo or a sure. Pat Mahomes. But I think that the season's lost. Whether or not you keep McCarthy in the seat, you just say, "Hey, man, like we're going to fire you at the end of the season, but you can still work here until yeah. the end of the season." Not to fire him unceremoniously in the middle of the season and give Joe Philbin his. Now this is Joe Philbin's second time in Green Bay. Yeah. After leaving to do whatever he did in Miami. And then um, coming back, so I just don't get it. Like, I don't get it. They, they could have told him, and they could have told all the NFL networks, hey, man, you're not going to coach here at the end of the year. And they still would have had a head start on it. To do that to someone like that that probably has a couple streets in Green Bay named after him, I just don't like that move, man. That's not professional. No, it's not professional, but in the same sense, I think that there might have been a lot more um, that went into the decision. I know that ultimately it was a shock to everybody. everybody was, it a shock to, was it a shock to Aaron Rodgers? Because he said he was shocked, and I yeah. don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. It's like well, when um, when uh, LeBron James was shocked that Tyron Lue became head coach. Yeah. I feel like that's exactly what's going on here. I feel like Aaron Rodgers has this LeBron James-esque control over the roster and the personnel and whoever he does or doesn't like that's who stays and that's who goes and I thought Mike McCarthy would out not outlive Aaron Rodgers but survive 
Aaron Rodgers. No, no, I thought that eventually, I think everybody knew that the writing was on the wall that McCarthy after this year was gone. I, 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 I no, but the thing about uh, it is, uh, and uh, just uh, feel uh, free, you're a diehard Packers fan, feel yeah. free to disagree with me. Aaron Rodgers has sucked this year. No, no, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think that Rodgers right now is sitting at 20 TDs and one interception, which by and large, if you look at just metrics and data, isn't bad. But by and large, when you look at metrics and data compared to Aaron Rodgers of previous years, is bad. Well, um, he had four, I, he's has he has forty six throwaways. Throwaways, yeah, yeah, complete so, throwaways. That's more than the next highest is twenty two. So yeah. he's just throwing the ball away. He's no. literally he's not running. He's not taking off. There's no design. He doesn't want to dump off the ball. He's just throwing well, it think, away. I think initially the throwaways were by and large part to his knee. Um, he couldn't escape the pockets, and when he tried to the last previous game, as his knee was healing, or healing up, I think he's not close to 100%, but he's a lot better off than he was four weeks ago. Um, but, you know, four weeks ago, he's thrown away from the pocket, just trying to get out just enough so there's not an intentional grounding or trying to find a receiver just to overthrow it. Um, but even still, the, the, the completions that he was completing, they're behind, behind the wide receivers, behind the running backs. There have been so many um, just – routes out in the flat that they typically run with Cobb and when Cobb was out there running with MVS they're running with Equinemius they're running with Aaron Jones and either you know there was two uh weeks one week uh where he was leading trying to win a or lead a game winning drive he throws it and he dirts the ball says the ball sticks to him says you know 99 times out of 100 he makes that throw it'll never happen again the next week the same exact fucking thing happens on the left side and then the next week the same exact thing happens when he tries to get Aaron or Aaron Jones a screen Aaron Jones has to reach back jump back a whole yard to grab the ball behind him and by the time he turns up the, the defenders have already gotten past the wide receivers and they're tackling them for a loss. And so and that's not even to talk, not even to continue to talk shit about Aaron Rodgers. No, but against the Vikings, he missed a wide open Devontae yeah. Adams. Well, I think I think wide right now open. He, he's just not playing good football. No, he's not playing good football. But I also think he has the yips. I truly think he has the yips. I think it's a combination of, um, I, you would think he still wants to play, and I'm not saying he doesn't. It still looks like he wants to play, but I think that ultimately frustration. Um, is getting the better of him. Frustration being whether that's uh, dissension and tension amongst him and McCarthy's play calling choice, whether that's uh, you know rookies running the wrong routes or rookies running the running the what the right routes, um, but not running them to where he is comfortable in making the play because McCarthy's offense is super predicated on ISO routes. It's very vanilla, but when the ISO routes are working, it is very hard to stop. But that is great when you have, you know, the wide receiver core like he had when they won the uh, the Super Bowl. When you have a Greg Jennings, or say Jordy Nelson this is, is the, your. This is the best wide receiver core he's. I mean, you're well, not yeah. going to win this argument with me because no, I think this is the best wide receiver core he's had since 2007. Well, let me let me get to this. Okay, I think that the Super Bowl wide receiver core was better than this one, and I'll give you a reason why. Okay, you had Jordy Nelson as your fourth wide receiver. Okay, you had Greg Jennings, you had Jordy, you had James Jones, you had Donald Driver, you had Jermichael Finley, you had all of these guys, and I can't remember, I want to say Cobb was on board, but he might not have been. But either way, you had all these guys who were winning ISO routes, right? You have five great route runners that are winning ISO routes, which are providing timing because Rodgers knows exactly where they're going to be. They're running the exact same routes that Rodgers grew up throwing, you know, to them, either be, you know, playing on the scout team or anything like that. He has rapport, he has development, he has chemistry, he has all that. Now on paper right now, this is the best wide receiver core athletically that Rodgers has had. 
you, I don't think you can say that you lump in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemius St. Brown, and Jamon Moore. This year, you have a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick that all run 4-4, that are all 6-3 and above, that all have super catch radiuses just because they have attributes with them does not make them fortify this as the best wide receiver core that they've ever had. I think they have potential to be the best wide receiver core they've ever had, but on paper, athletically, I'll, I'll give that nod to you. But statistically-wise, and just doing the damn thing and winning those ISO routes. No, I think that they're running the right routes now. Early in the season, they were miscommunicating. They ended up a lot of times in the same you know, spot of the field that another wide receiver was on, which is a big no-no in offense. You never, you never scheme a play that way to where you have two wide receivers in the same exact cluster on the field uh, at the end of the route. I think now they're running the right routes, but they're not running them the right way that Rodgers is used to. When they're coming back to the ball uh, last, uh, last night, uh, when they, or sorry Sunday when they came back to the ball, MVS tried ripping off um, on a uh, a comeback, and he came back straight as opposed to Rogers threw it to where it was going to be in. Now whether Rogers was anticipating him coming in or whether he was supposed to come back as MVS did, it looked like Rogers was anticipating coming in because a lot of guys he always wants them to come back to the ball but towards him. And so I think there's still a lot of errors being made amongst the rookies, but there's still just a lot of boneheaded errors being made by Rogers, and I think that they're both compounding each other's problems. I don't think Rodgers is playing great at all by any means, um, and I don't think that the rookie wide receivers are helping him in any facet and getting over that hump. So feel free, feel free now. Pitch, I just think that, your I pitch. just think my opinion on just to get back to Mike McCarthy um, is that Aaron Rodgers cost Mike McCarthy his job. I, I'm not going to disagree with you there at all. I think I know one of the things that a lot of people say that well, Mike McCarthy Maybe. lost because of his play calling, but you can't you can't know what like after the play was run, who called that play? You know, Rodgers has equal amount of opportunity to play change or to change plays at the line. Well, uh, that's, what, that's, that's what they're killing. saying. The, that's what they're saying. The problem is, is that he changed like that. Mike McCarthy says that sixty percent of his plays that he calls never actually get ran. Sure, sure. So, so he it's says like, that when it goes well, when things go well, because uh, he calls the base offense, right? And then sure. Aaron Rodgers calls the audible. So when it goes well, Aaron Rodgers takes credit for it. And then when it doesn't go well, Aaron Rodgers say, oh, the offense is not good because this is what Mike McCarthy called. But, I mean, if you go back to it, look at the first two games of the season, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Vikings and the Bears, and they go 1-0-1. Oh, both yep. those teams are going to the playoffs. The yep. Vikings and the Bears both go into the playoffs, 100% guarantee it. Vikings a wild card. Bears probably going to win the division. Either way, they'll switch it up. But both of those teams are going to make the playoffs. And for the Packers to be undefeated against those teams to start the season is like kind of upsetting because now you look at it, the Packers play the Bears in two weeks. They just lost to the Vikings because Aaron Rodgers missed a wide-open Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not going to make it. So what's they should be a better team. The defense is very good, very well, underrated. I agree they should be a better team, but I think one thing that's being overlooked is before that we had Mike Daniels, we had we had Muhammad Wilkerson, we had Kevin King, we had Geronimo Allison, we had Randall Cobb playing for uh, for that stretch. We had a lot of consistency and a lot of non-injuries, and all of a sudden you lose tons of core guys, and now our starting wide receivers, albeit they're good rookies, especially Jair Alexander, our start, sorry, wide receivers, cornerbacks, our starting cornerbacks are Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander. And then behind them, you have Tony Brown, an undrafted free agent that we picked up middle of the way through the season. Uh, Brashad Breland, the, the, the big free agent signing that we had later in the year, uh, who should have been signed somewhere else after he, he got uh, medically discharged 
uh, from the Panthers after signing his huge contract. Now we have Tony Brown bracking up. We have Abraham or Abraham Campbell playing safety when our safety starting out were Ha Ha Clinton Dixon, Kentrell Bryce, and now it's Tremont that they move back from cornerback to free safety, and now the other one is not being manned by Josh Jones because they're bringing Josh Jones down to inside linebacker because there's been so many injuries there. Okay, have so Abraham I mean, Campbell. I'm listening to all this. I don't disagree with any of you, but is that Mike McCarthy's fault? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that, but I think it's a culmination of. So then, why did they fire Mike McCarthy? Well, that's what I'm getting to. I think that the team itself was stale, and I don't think that the, the offense injuries... was stale or the team was stale because the defense is brand oh, new. Oh no, no, defense is brand new, and I don't fault the defense for being as bad as they are right now because right now you're you're leading right now. I mean, the past game when Clay Matthews went out. We have Reggie Gilbert and Kyler Fackrell on the outsides. Uh, we have Blake Martinez, who's still been muscling out. Uh, but you have Kenny Clark as our, as our shining star right there. Um, aside from that, he's faced with a bunch of people that we picked up halfway through the season, which is technically not a good way you want to go about winning on defense. But that is not Mike McCarthy's fault. That it's injury luck, that is not that is not his fault. I think with the offense playing putrid, I do think it was a combo of McCarthy not adjusting to play calls when his plays were called. His plays, they're just not working. Iso routes, like, there's so many new offensive um, new offensive strategies with route concepts and breaking stuff off and scheming stuff to get open that he was relying on his you know mono e mono type offense, which works if you have the veteran talent to do so. And I think the rookies can get there, um, but right now that's just not where they're at, and that's normal, man. They're hitting rookie walls, and that's fine. Um, so partly, do I think he he got himself fired? Yeah, but do I think Aaron Rodgers also got him? You know, didn't show many favors? Yeah, yeah, I think that you know the past three years well, have been all right, so you know, who, who does Aaron Rodgers gonna get along with like who do we hire well, now I, that Aaron Rodgers likes well that's a good question I think that uh who's Tom your guy Crab, well Tom Crabtree said it best um he said it you know no, him knowing Aaron Rodgers you're gonna want somebody young you're gonna want somebody uh calm cool and collected you're not gonna want a, a macho bravado type guy to get in Rodgers face or I'm, I'm saying people that he would want um, uh, you're you're going to want somebody who is more offensively predicated and, and strong than defensive-minded. So obviously, like, a, a Rex Ryan is way out the fucking bag. He's no longer there. Even though I think Rex Ryan would be a decent fit in keeping Patine. Um, but, I man, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Uh, I don't, you know, I know I talked about on a previous episode with Sean Payton, but I don't think that, that Sean... Um, would necessarily get along with Brady. Which, by the or, way, so we with called with this Rogers. last podcast. Yeah. Kudos to us that we said Mike McCarthy would be out there. Yeah, soon. yeah, yeah. And so I think that – I think Sean Payton – being the he to me Sean Payton is Aaron Rodgers as a head coach in terms of personality wise he, he comes off as very smug he's really smart he's really good at making plays happen but with Breeze as his general there Breeze is a legal beagle he's gonna do what he says and he's also going to make plays but he's also the sheriff in town and so I think that works very well I don't think you can have two guys that know they're good um in the sense that having Sean Payton as head coach and Rodgers. I don't think that thrives. I think it has to be uh, a younger coordinator or a younger head coach, either collegiately or professionally, um, you know, somebody who's... Well, I think that, so, I mean, I think that Rodgers would definitely respect the creativity that, and welcome oh, no, the creativity no, that Sean yeah, Payton brings. I'm not sure, agree. like you said, those personalities would necessarily 
work out well together. No. Um, well, I'm thinking what works out best. That's who's, what I'm saying. What, who's what works the out best, best then? Who do you think is the best? That's a good question, man. I love o- or I love Kansas City's OC. I love... Uh, you know what? I was going to say that. Kansas City's OC is probably my fave. Yeah. You know, that Eric Reed coaching tree is pretty oh, dude, slick. Was, uh, Matt Nagy, yeah. Doug Peterson, who just won the Super yeah. Bowl last year. I mean... Well, like you said, you said that last episode. You, you were like, you loved his, his OC. And the Andy Reid coaching tree is great. The Mike McCarthy coaching tree, not so fucking great right not now. Not so successful. You know, yeah. but, but ironically, the Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson GM tree thriving, which is bananas right now. And so it's kind of like it's taking a weird step back. Um, and, and I think that I would love KC's OC. I would love the Vikings OC and Filippo. But I, honestly, I, don't I know think that I would it, love the Vikings OC. Well, no, I mean, well, he's, he's un- they're underperforming very. No, very no, no right they're now. underperforming by and large. But also, you know, I think that Cousins has a tendency to be nuclear one week and then throw three interceptions the next week later, down, like when it gets down to the line. Yeah, so, but I mean, I, the Kansas City offense is so much like Green Bay's oh, offense. Oh, dude. Right now. No, they're, yeah, their offense is just. It's it's ideal in the sense that they have ISO routes just like McCarthy, but they have ways so to get yeah. they have ways to get their playmakers the ball. Yeah, Aaron Jones, Cream Hunt, I could see them being almost identical players. They, I think Cream Hunt catches the ball a lot better than Aaron Jones, but I think Correct. with practice and time, they could be it could be exactly the same offense. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the same. I wouldn't say at this point in his career the exact same arm as Pat Mahomes, but he no, can no. he can put it down there. Yeah, he can still wing. He still has elite arm talent, I think. Uh, but like you said, I think Mahomes just has that Uncle Rico cannon. That no matter what, he can throw it five Dude, million and not yards. Only that, but very accurate with that cannon. Yeah, and, and very accurate with with rolling back, throwing off his back foot or back foot going backwards. He can throw it forty yards on a rope downfield and hit some astronomically impossible throw where you just go, "What the hell was that?" Whereas Rodgers can do that. Uh, and Rodgers still still can make those throws where you go, wow. But this year, he can't even make the simple throws, even if they're being completed. I think Devontae Adams has been bailing him out plenty on a lot of throws. And this is almost until last a few weeks ago, every single deep route, a fly route or streak route, was severely underthrown. And even if they were completed, what should have been a touchdown ends up being a 30-yard gain. And they always get to the 40- or 50-yard line, flame out, and they have to punt. Whereas, you know, the past few weeks, you could tell – I don't know if he's, that's been getting to him because a lot of media people have been talking about it, but you could tell that he's trying to overexert those throws, and he's overthrowing a lot of them, like you saw against the Vikings on that wide-open Devontae Adams non-touchdown that lost me a fantasy game, by the way. Um, and, so it's, <laughs> and, then, it's and, then, well, and then to your point about the clashing personalities, I don't think him and – I think that uh, Josh McDaniels would, would maybe could make some matches together, but I don't think their personalities would mesh very well. No, no. I think Josh McDaniels is a hell of a coordinator, and he's one of the few coordinators that I love coming – that I've loved coming out of New England in terms of just being a, a guy – like a great – coach you know he's a great coordinator and a great offensive-minded coach with that I think a lot of coordinators that come out of New England they fall from the Belichick tree and they fall flat because Belichick yeah. I mean Matt Patricia doesn't look terrible but that offense looks no pretty, Be- Be- yeah. Belichick is that team like how I felt with McCarthy no matter what offensive coordinator like they have Joe Philbin who was the old offensive coordinator and is still the incumbent offensive coordinator after his Miami stint no matter who is offensive coordinator on the Green Bay Packers while Mike McCarthy was in charge they were like, it's like the head coach of whoever LeBron's team is. Are you head coach or are you LeBron's 
you know, are you head coach by title and LeBron is, is running the show? And I think with McCarthy, McCarthy was the offensive coordinator. He was the head coach. He was the play caller. He only gave it up for a few games one season after a lot of people criticized him for not being able to micromanage a lot of the situation, which caused a lot of uh, insufficient or inefficient uh, challenges, play calls, and all that stuff. He only gave it up for a little bit, and then he resumed his play calling duty. And so I think Philbin, while being a great coach, I don't know what he can be offensively. And he had a sub-500 record in Miami, which isn't bad, but it's not good. And so it'll be interesting to see what he does throughout these final four games, if he can make himself a legitimate uh, a contender for that head coaching spot. Uh, but possible replacements, I, I love Casey's offensive coordinator. I don't necessarily – like I love Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, but I don't think – I just man, I have a huge problem with going to the collegiate level. You never know if that kind of creativity is going to translate, um, unless you have you know one of those quarterbacks that are up and coming, like a Baker, like a Mahomes, like a Lamar Jackson. I think that yeah, I think that Riley would do amazing things with Lamar Jackson. Um, but it's <laughs> doing amazing I, things too. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it well, would be interesting in terms of possible replacements for it'll, me. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, yeah. moving right along to the rest of the NFL. We have the shrieking Seahawks, who just dominated the Dude, 49ers yeah. last weekend. We have the Cowboys, who unfortunately, I think, are now, sadly, with the multiple fibular fractures in Washington, D.C. Uh, the Cowboys are just going to run away with that division. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, we have the Bears and the Vikings look to play the first round of the wild card in the NFC. Do you think? Do you see anything in the NFC changing? I mean, the, the Panthers lost this weekend to the Bucks. And the Bucks are actually surprisingly in the playoff hunt. They're five and seven, so they're not too yeah. far behind from the Vikings who are six, five, and one. Um, but they have the Eagles, the Redskins, and the Panthers ahead of them. So, uh, and actually the Packers right behind, who uh-huh. need a lot of help, but probably sure. won't make it anyways. Um, so, do you see any changes on the NFC side of the playoffs? Um, I think that that last spot um, with the Seahawks would be the ult- like the, the only question I have. Uh, and that would obviously go to either the Panthers or the Eagles. I think nobody else is in contention, um, nor has the the, uh, the fortitude to put those final games together um, and rely on Seahawks to you know give them a few losses as well. I think the Seahawks have a pretty tough schedule um, closing they do, out. Yeah, where they play KC, yeah. uh, LA, yeah. right? So they're definitely going to lose a few. Um, so if anybody has the, the ability right now, it's the Panthers and the Eagles. I know the Eagles, <laughs> NFL.com, uh, headline last night was the Eagles turn back the clock. I just don't see them keeping up with it. Um, and granted, they were facing a Redskins team who has a good defense, but th- they have a good front seven. Their back half is yeah, I wouldn't even. Say the, that was a good game. It was no, close, no, no, though. no. It was close. No, was no, it was game. good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was close. But it was just. I think the Redskins defense is highly reliant on their pressure and the run stopping ability because they have a dynamo defensive line. Aside from that, they have Josh Norman. Yeah, they. I mean, they traded for Ha Clinton Dix, who's subsequently given up plenty of. Well, I mean that that Redskins there. offense isn't yeah. going to go anywhere. I mean, they're done. no, no. The so, Sanchez is not going to be pitching the ball <laughs> to you know so ninety year old. So you think that it stays the same, and if it doesn't, possibly only the Seahawks would drop back? Because I feel like the Vikings could lose some games, too. Uh, no, I think the Vikings could lose some games easily, too. But I just think that – I know the Seahawks are sitting fifth seed. The Vikings are sitting sixth – or fifth. Sorry, yeah, they're sixth. Seahawks are fifth. Um, man, I just think Seahawks that – Seahawks do have a tough schedule, though. I mean, I Seahawks I have a tough schedule. I just think the Vikes um, – I know that they really flunked uh, against New England, but it's New England. Uh, I just think that they have too many – proven offensive weapons uh, to where if they can get it together, 
I mean, their defense can shut out a lot of people. And I know that they've been underplaying this year, but they have the talent to do so. And now that Everson Griffin's finally back from his, uh, he came back a few weeks ago from his uh, his mental hiatus. Um, but Daniel Hunter's turning up. He's playing amazing. Kendrick's is playing amazing. Um, I, the only thing is Xavier Rhodes uh, is exiting exited again this week with a hammy injury. Um, they were he was on a pitch count. Trey Wayne's is still ha- holding it down, but it's just I think that that team if they can really gel and get healthy enough going into the playoffs the Vikings I think are in I think the Seahawks are the ones that are in jeopardy of losing it and if they do I think it's ultimately to the Panthers even though they beat them and so the Panthers are going to need some big help they're going to need the Seahawks to lose and they obviously can't tie them because the Seahawks beat them you know in, in Seattle so I think the Seahawks do get in but if they do lose I think it's only to the the Panthers getting in Okay, cool. So then on the, we flip to the other side of the uh, of the NFL. The Chargers, huge statement in a weird fucking game against the Steelers. What an amazing yeah. game, but just a weird game. I don't think that if they did it again that the Chargers could win again because sure. it was just such a weird game. Sure. Uh, but the Steelers and the Ravens now kind of like at the back and look on the outside looking in. Chargers are going to clench that wild card spot, I think, with just one more win. Sure. Because they obviously aren't going to win the division. Well, they could win. They could They could win the division. So the Chiefs and the Chargers are in. That's it. The Chiefs and mm-hmm. Chargers both win one more game. They're both in. Sure. Um, whether it's wild card or they win the division, they both have the chance. The Chargers could beat the Chiefs uh, later in the season. So we'll see. Uh, but the Steelers and the Ravens um, have a high chance of not making it in whereas the Texans are probably going to win the AFC South. So of the Steelers and the Ravens, who do you think may or may not make it and why? Hmm. Man, I think I don't think that the Steelers' loss to the Chargers was a detrimental blow uh, to their psyche, but that was a tough loss, man. That was a tough loss. Um, I think that they were hanging in there. Obviously, Big Ben had a few of his uh, his Big Ben senior moments with throwing the ball directly to Derwin James uh, when he's trying to hit Vance McDonald down the uh, I think the, the right hash. But it's just, man, I, the Ravens right now. I, I call like I think it was last last podcast that if there's a dark horse for them to get in, man, I it's there's something to be said about Lamar Jackson's ability, and I know that he went down with an injury. Um, to where you know now RG three is their starting quarterback, um, but if if Lamar Jackson's to miss a good bit of time, I think the Steelers run away with it. I think they they lock up that four spot, the four seed. Um, but I think the Ravens, man, it's just if Lamar Jackson can come back, he has a very win now friendly style. He's going to toss interceptions, and I'm not saying a win now quarterback style, but win now athletic style to where he can play quarterback he can throw some touchdowns but he's going to keep coordinators up at night with his ability just to extend plays and just run for his life and, and pick up major yards which is you know a big reason why they've gone three and oh under his uh his uh lead at the helm and so i think the steelers ultimately win that division um i think that lamar jackson's injury even if he comes back that'll be something to definitely keep an eye on yeah, so the AFC North and the AFC West are just like such competitive divisions. Yeah. I mean, we still have the Broncos and the Bengals in contention. I don't think the Bengals are going to make it just because of the injury bug that's hit them so hardly. AJ Green. Oh, you don't think you don't, Andy you don't think for, for the year. You don't think uh what's his name? Jeff Fiscal. Jeff Driscoll Fiscal? from UF. Jeff Driscoll, nah, that's right. UF. Fiscal 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 Driscoll. He actually got drafted <laughs> by the Niners. So, fun fact. But fun, um Fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. Um but yeah, I mean those are two really tough divisions. I would be super surprised if we don't see the Ravens, if we don't see the AFC continue just like this. I do see maybe the Colts sneaking past the Ravens sure. just because the Ravens play such a tough schedule. Yeah. Um, 
final four games. So the Colts could win, but them losing to the Jags this weekend that was is huge, not promising. Man. And that they could huge. even put up one touchdown. So No. And that I mean, I talked up that offense so much last podcast and that they were just nuclear hot. And you know, a team You use the word nuclear a lot of times. Uh, they, were, they, were t- they were they were Oh hey oh they were <laughs> atomically hot. Uh, and and then, you know, they gave up or they they scored zero points on a defense that has been by oh, I wouldn't say overrated, but this year way underperforming. Um, yeah, and, well, they, they only allowed six points, so that's also no, promising. No, they, they only allowed that. That's great for the Jags. Two but field they, goals. They went up against the Bills and gave up quite a few points. I, I do believe, you know. Oh, and the so Bills it, are Bills are up and coming. That's a yeah, the Bills right are up now. and coming. But I think the Colts, if they can kind of you know have a quick reload and not even think about. You know that loss. I, I still think that they they have a favorable schedule and trying to make a serious contention for that six seed spot. But I mean, I think like you said, it, I think the Ravens, you know, are. I think the AFC is more set than the NFC, but it's still you have that last spot that's that's really open for grabs. Uh, yeah, well, so the, the Colts could actually do so if they win this weekend uh-huh. against the Texans. I think that they make it because they play the Cowboys, the Giants, the Titans after that. Yeah. They yeah. they will drop one game either to the Cowboys or the Texans, but they have to win one of those games. Yeah. If they win one of those games, I can see them beating the Giants, and I can see them beating the Titans. Giants will yeah. be a tough game. Surprisingly tough game, but it's at home, and I think they do it. So if they win this weekend, I think they can win two out of the last three to make it in. And it would sure. be really exciting, really, really exciting to see Andrew Luck in the playoffs. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, the, the playoffs this year will be just completely riddled with QB wet dreams in terms Dude, of I'm the... Dude, I'm so N- excited to see yeah, the in terms of the, this year's going to be amazing. The NFL just pretty much going like, give me all your money. That's pretty much all the QBs. Dude, think about every- this. Think about the quarterbacks right now that are going to win, Dude, that are going to be in a bye. Drew Brees, gonna, yeah. Jared Goff, slash Todd Gurley. He's gonna, I'm going to say Todd Gurley's <laughs> quarterback of that team. Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes. Dude. Jesus. It's, 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 and you're, then we have Phillip Rivers, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, and honestly, it's crazy, but Mitch Trubisky He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Yeah. Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, will him slash Ezekiel Elliott, Ben Roethlisberger, and Deshaun Watson. Dude, and it's then going- whoever is in that last spot, Andrew Luck or um, Lamar Jackson. So it's Dude, just going to be an insane playoffs this it's year. It's going to be a compute or a complete just uh, just a complete mixture of you know the old Wiley Sheriff vets versus the new up and coming thing. And I think that no matter what. The NFL has done a great job at marketing these new QBs, as well as these QBs playing out of their their mind. Um, but it's like you have you they've done a, a huge benefit in making these young QBs stars already. You know, I think that Jared Goff has the personality of a wet paper towel, but I think that the NFL markets him and that offense and Sean McVay to the point that I would love to see Jared Goff versus a Tom Brady. I would love to see Patrick Mahomes versus a Drew Brees. No matter what, you cannot write a bad script in terms of QB versus QB, team versus team. The, the NFL playoffs this year are going to be nuts. You're not going to have somebody who sneaks in who has a veteran quarterback like the Seahawks did when they were 7-9 and nine and they had Matt Hasselback. And then whoa, they, beat, whoa, whoa. They, they, they beat the, they beat the Saints. Saints. They beat, they beat the, the Saints. Saints. But in terms of that matchup, nobody wanted to see that. Everybody thought knew, you know, the, the Saints were going to run away the, and they got mopped. <laughs> You know, by, yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, Blake Bortles took a lot of our money last year and a lot of our money yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. So I think that the playoffs this year will be amazing. Uh, just kind of go over a few Week 13 surprises. We'll just hit them real quick because uh, we're running out of time. We had AZ over Green Bay, Arizona over Green Bay with a uh, rookie quarterback at Lambeau, 27-20. Yeah, the Giants beat Wasn't it, Chicago. Wasn't it 27-20? I thought it was 2017. 
Eh, that might be. Who knows? Uh, but then you also had the Giants over Chicago, 30-27. Uh, to 27. It's surprising. The offense is really good, especially when they're they're gelling. But it's you know the the Bears have been playing pretty well. It's hard to really contend. No over Mitch that. Trubisky though. Chase Daniels. No, no, so yeah, Chase I, Daniels was in, so that that was the big thing. But Chase actually played pretty admirably. I was pretty pretty impressed with him. Uh, yeah, Tampa Bay over <laughs> Carolina, which raise your hand if you saw that coming. And then you had Dallas, uh, pretty much. I w- they wouldn't say mop up, but they beat Atlanta thirteen to ten. Or sorry, sorry, they beat New Orleans thirteen to ten. Which is more surprising, the fact they won or the fact that they kept New Orleans to ten points? Real quick. Um, I I'm just surprised that New Orleans scored ten points. I guess I, yeah, was yeah, the, that's my thirty eight points per game or something like that. That's my big thing. So that kind of concludes. We've kind of gone through a, a myriad of stuff. We hope you guys enjoyed. That concludes this episode of Dudes Talk Sports. We are on social media at Twitter, at Dudes Talk Sports, Instagram, at Dudes underscore Talk Sports, our website, www.dudes-talk-sports.com. I got that right for the first time on the first try. Good for me. <laughs> Chad, say hello. Goodbye to the people. Hello, goodbye, people, and uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya. Dude's that was probably sports. my favorite episode, buddy. Dude's talk sports. <laughs>